This is the Horse Radio Network. I'm Stacy Westfall, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show, the Western Dressage episode. Today, Joanne Coy joins me for both the judge's view and the trainer's tip. In the judge's view, we discuss the value of showing to well-trained judges and how the high level of training that judges receive is actually a benefit to show competitors. In the trainer's tip, we discuss the value of understanding how each particular horse processes or thinks and how we can see that during groundwork. But before we get to that, I have Diney Swanson here with me to discuss how Western dressage competitors could be eligible to win a saddle. Each week, you carefully plan out your horse's training schedule. You work with your trainer to fine-tune his flat work. You school through grids to perfect his jump and set up multiple courses to educate your eye. You enjoy long hacks to keep his mind fresh and body strong. Show day arrives. You take a deep breath as you enter the ring. We've got this, you whisper so only he can hear you. You move as one, sailing over each element in perfect harmony. The feeling you get when it all clicks. It's why we do what we do. This feeling is brought to you by Joint Armor. Joint Armor's complete formula provides your horse with the nutrients necessary to support healthy joints throughout his lifetime. Joint Armor maintains fluid motion and flexibility in hardworking joints. It supports normal cartilage development and reduces joint deterioration. Joint Armor provides high levels of both glucosamine and chondroitin, plus 100 milligrams of hyaluronic acid. Best of all, Joint Armor is affordable. One small jar lasts up to 75 days. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Hi, Diney. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Very good. I'm I'm very interested in learning more about this saddle thing. Can you tell me more? Absolutely. You are getting an exclusive. Uh, we probably will announce this in the next couple of days um, to our members first. Um, so we have upcoming uh, entries open for our uh, WDAA Western Dressage Online International Challenge, the, the online show. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then of course, entries open August 1st for the world show. So what we're doing is uh, we will be presenting the WDAA Harmony Award Trophy Saddle to people who show in both of those shows. Uh, Mike Corcoran, who's a master saddle maker, uh, he's been doing it for 39 years, both dressage and Western dressage saddles. He's traveled all over the world doing that, Um, has very enthusiastically um, decided to donate a trophy saddle. And this is going to be a trophy saddle. It's going to be beautiful um, for people who show in they have to show on both shows. This is going to be a drawing. So to be eligible, you show on both shows and you have to earn at least one on one test an eight or above in your harmony score Mm. at both shows. So if you, if you achieve that, then your, your name goes into the hat. What's great about it is 
it doesn't, if you show in eight classes in the online show and eight classes at the world show, and you get eight or above on all of your tests, then you get 16 entries into this drawing for the trophy saddle. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about a drawing is that it kind of levels the playing field as far as it doesn't really matter if you're showing in intro or, yeah. you know, fourth level, it's eight, you know, yeah. it's, it's the harmony award. Obviously there's, there's things that change in there, but at the same mm-hmm. time, like harmony is harmony. And that's, I like that. Yeah. We wanted it to, to, you know, we're, we're always trying to find ways to be inclusive and, you know, there's typically one person that takes home the most mm-hmm. <laughs> at shows. And we wanted to kind of try to make this available to everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as you have, you know, lovely harmony with your horse. Yeah. And what a great way to encourage harmony, <laughs> you know, because, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's going to, it's going to encourage people to be, you know, aware of the test that they're choosing to ride and whether or not they can ride harmoniously, which should always be a goal. But, you know, it's also saying sometimes for sure I've, I've entered things to stretch my comfort zone, but you can be sure I'm going to be going back through and reevaluating my harmony scores. (laughs) I know some of them off the top, but now I'm going to have a lot more awareness brought to that, that section of the test in when I go back and review. And, and so, um, Again, I'm always I'm always kind of aiming for that, but I, it's interesting when you put your focus on something like that, how it can change the little things. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm glad it, you shared that with us. It should be fun, and it, yeah, it'll get people focusing on on the right things. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that will be that will be a, a exciting development because when you're done with the international, like anybody who enters that that online show will mm-hmm. then know what you know what they've gotten for their scores and that before they even open for the world show so i can my mind is immediately going like okay how does this work how do how how does this like what horse yeah my my (laughs) mind is my mind is off doing calculations now so good (laughs) we will we will do the drawing the last night of the show um, at the world show last night. yeah at the world show um during the award ceremony nice so it should be and yeah the saddle will be there and it'll be It'll be lots of fun. I can't wait to see the saddle. Mike is really excited. It's going to be quite fancy. Very good. Well, thank you for sharing that with us today. Sure. My pleasure. Tired of having your boot sucked off, bit stride by sticky mud? Mud control grids are the solution. Frustrated by mushy, slippery messes at the paddock gates? Mud control grids are the solution. Is keeping the ground underfoot stable in your sacrifice areas and dry lots causing you to lose sleep? Once again, mud control grids are the solution. You're seeing a trend here, aren't you? Well, Han Plastics Mud Control Grids really has come up with the best solution. Unlike other plastic grids on the market, mud control grids can be installed directly on top of the mud. Let me say that again. Right on top of the mud. You don't need to do any ground preparation. The mud control grids are an instant solution to your high-traffic, muddy areas. No more having to fill in with sand, gravel, shavings, or even old carpet. What's more, mud control grids will allow grass to grow underneath of them, so they can be taken back up once the area is dry or recovered. Or you can leave them right where they are and take over again when the rainy season comes back around. 
Han Plastics mud control grids are designed to be installed as a temporary or permanent solution. You can take them with you if you move. Put down a lot, put down a few. Add more each year. The ultimate mud control solution. Check out Han Plastics mud control grids at mudgrid.ca. Oh, an added bonus, your tractor or gator won't sync up to its axles with Han Plastics mud control grids in place. So there's that www.mudgrid.ca Joining me for the judge's view today is Joanne Coy. Joanne is a lifelong student of the horse with a varied background in all things horsey. She has a really long list. I'm going to condense it down to a few other points like she is a member of the WDAA board. She's the chairperson of the WDAA Judges Education Committee. She teaches regularly at the Western Dressage Judges Seminar. She judged the 2019 Western Dressage World Show. She's going to be judging the upcoming International Online Western Dressage Show. She's an L graduate with the USDF and a Western Dressage Large R judge. And she still currently shows when she's not busy judging. Thank you so much for joining me today, Joanne. Well, thank you for having me. What I would love to discuss with you today are kind of the myths and realities around judging. Because I know that when I ride into the arena, it's, you know, I'm aware that the judge is there and I'm definitely willing to, you know, have my thoughts about them over the years when I look back, you know, like pros and cons of like my expectations of the judge. And so I kind of wanted to unpack with you today, you know, some of the different things that might come up when somebody goes into showing and the importance of understanding who you're showing to. So can we just start with why is it important to show to a recognized judge? What benefit do you see for the competitor? Well, I think what you see um, as a competitor is and can be assured of is that the judge is trained and has a methodology that's, you know, consistent with the training that we've all been through in judging programs so that when you go from show to show, judge to judge, you can be assured that judges are looking for basically the same thing. Um, We as judges have our own personal slant a little bit that might make the points just slightly different. It shouldn't be drastically different from one another. Um, what I find interesting is when I go to a horse show and judge, and there might be two or three arenas um, going at the same time, our scores are pretty much within a point, point and a half, maybe two points of one another. Uh, of course, the horse is not doing identical things in every ring, but um, we try to stay consistent based on our training. And we do have a very thorough training, whether it's in classical dressage, Western dressage, or whatever. The training programs now are very thorough, and I liken our training experience to kind of like getting a master's degree. It's expensive, it's time-consuming, and it's got lots of homework involved, and we need to stay current um, with rules. We have to be very knowledgeable of any rule changes. Um, We have to be able to multitask. We have to be able to get up early in the morning and go to a horse show just like the competitors. Um, it's it's a fun job. It's um, very rewarding. And I think our goal for every judge 
is to make life better for the horses and make our relationships, human horse relationships better. So that's what we're in it for. Uh, um, you know, honestly, I can say we're not in it for the money. We're not in it for the glamour. <laughs> we're in it to make horses' lives better and people's lives better so that they can relate to these horses. And for some riders, going to a horse show might be their only method of getting feedback. I mean, especially with our online shows now, giving people an opportunity to show and get feedback from judges. I've judged shows where people were competing in Hawaii and, you know, or Nebraska or all over the country, all over the world, Sweden. Um, and that may be their only opportunity to get some feedback. So um, judges, judges have a big responsibility. We take it really seriously and we are held to a kind of a higher power. And that's the general public. If we do a poor job, we won't get hired. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and we need to do what's best for the horse and best for the rider. Yeah, I really like I I really like that you brought up the like the online shows and the giving the feedback because one thing that when I was purely in the western world one thing that drew me towards the reining was that it had a a scoring system where you could see, you know, uh the zero was an average movement plus half was, you know, good. And so there were the word associations and a different number scale than, than what dressage uses, but there was mm -hmm. a feedback when I found dressage and started doing both traditional and Western, I was blown away with the amount of feedback because when I, when I go back into the reigning world and I say to a Western rider, you really should try this. Look at this, you know, look at this test. Look at this, the, the, what the feedback that I get on the test. Mm -hmm. They're always like, wow, that is a lot of, because we're used to, we're just impressed that we get to see the number, like the equivalent of mm -hmm. like the number of the, on the movement. The, but the, but the, the detailed feedback is beyond anything that, you know, we experience in the other, other realms. And so, I think dressage has an, an advantage to going into the online world because that level of feedback is very valuable to the person who is. Yeah, sure. exactly. As a judge, when you enter that, when the participant enters the ring and salutes for the next five minutes, our eyes are not off of you. We have a scribe. So the scribe looks down, but we're looking up and we're watching your every move <laughs> so that. <laughs> So that we can give you feedback on how you're balancing your horse, whether or not your horse is straight, whether he has impulsion and um, is learning self-carriage and can move up the levels so that he can become the best athlete that he can possibly become. And not everybody is a, you know, Michael Jordan or a supreme uh, athlete, but uh, we try to make sure that your horses have a chance at becoming the most efficient they can be. And I, I feel as a judge that prolongs horses' lives. And I think it uh, makes them useful. And there's nothing more valuable than a useful horse. Mm -hmm. You know, they won't end up in a kill pen. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, I attended the 2019 judges school because I just wanted to understand more about the, the discipline itself. And that was kind of my first glimpse into what it took to become a recognized judge. And again, I wasn't trying to become a judge. I was just trying to become educated, but wow, there is a lot as in like, I was just 
emailing with somebody the other day and asking if they were going to be showing at the world show this year, this upcoming one. And they were saying they were probably going to be there as an apprentice. And Mm -hmm. that still to me is like, wow, that is a huge commitment. It's a huge commitment to go show at the world show for the financial Mm -hmm. output. So when I turn around and put it in my mind that somebody is paying a lot of the similar expenses of travel and lodging Mm -hmm. and all of that to go down there as a piece, just a Mm -hmm. piece of becoming a judge. Can you outline just a little bit of that so that we can understand a little bit more about how much work really is going into this? Right. In order for a a person to call themselves a Western dressage licensed judge, they have two licenses they can go for. One is called the small R, which stands for recorded with United States equestrian. Um, That's the first door into becoming a licensed judge. That's the lowest level, small r. Um, And in order to do that, a a person has to attend the judge's seminar within um, a three-year period of time before they start the process. So that's really their first thing that they do, what you went to in Colorado for the judge seminar. That was, that's the first thing. They have to pass a written test and achieve an 85% or higher um, before they can be thought of as as a possible small R judge. They have to attend um, licensed competitions and a total of three licensed competitions and apprentice at some licensed competitions. Um, They can get credit for two licensed competitions by going to the World Show, the apprentice program, which I teach or co-teach with Cindy Butler this coming fall. And they have to apprentice with judges a total of 60 rides. They have to watch 60 tests, 20 in intro, 20 in basic, and 20 in level one. When they get all of that done, then they have to, they also have to evaluate rides online, a total of 15 rides online, and then be scrutinized as to how they evaluated those rides. And they have to pass that examination. Then they can be called a recorded judge. Well, all of that takes a lot of time, a lot of travel, a lot of expense because they have to go from show to show and sit with judges. They have to ask the judge ahead of time for permission to sit with them. Um, They sit outside the judging booth. They bring their own scribe and they apprentice at a horse show. You may have seen people sitting outside the judge's booth with another table and a a scribe. Mm -hmm. Um, and And then they, you know, when they're done at the end of the day, They sit down with the judge, the presiding judge, and they go over their scores and the judge then fills out an evaluation on how they did. And that becomes one of their pieces of their application process to become a recorded judge. So that's that's a lot of time and effort, but it also helps for them to become more fluid at judging, um, more fluent in the language that we use in judging, because it is kind of a whole new language. Um, and it, because it gives them the opportunity to, you know, kind of get their feet wet in judging and see if they like it, see if they're up to it and, um, how, how well they do. So that's just the first step (laughs) in becoming a small R judge. Then if they want to go on to a large, a large R status, which is, um, the large R stands for registered, then they're registered with the USEF in um, Western dressage, that's a whole new level of competency 
they can't even apply once they get their small R, they can't even apply for their large R until three years, uh, I'm sorry, until two years have passed. And during that time, then they have to go and judge at shows at which they're hired as a small R. And then they continue their education and that education brings them up into um, level two, level three, and level four judging. So small R judges can't judge the higher levels. They can only be, the higher levels can only be judged by large R judges. So you've got a lot of competency in um, judging the higher levels. They've gone through a lot of judging before they get to judge the higher levels in Western dressage. And and the um, classical dressage or English dressage has similar rigorous training programs, even, you know, in some cases, even more rigorous um, because there's some riding components involved before you can move on up to a large R status. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. Now, I think you can probably clear something up for me. I kind of remember, but I was going to go to a show at the end of of the year, um, and I saw that that only offered like the low. It only offered the lower level, but then there was like like the um, test of choice. But when I went to enter the test of choice, they made sure to clarify the entry booth did that that wouldn't it wouldn't. I could ride and be judged, but it wouldn't count for points. And I believe right. that was because it was a small R judge. Would that be accurate? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. A small R judge isn't licensed to judge anything over first level, okay. level one. But yeah. I could have ridden, I could have ridden and an, like a test of choice as almost like a practice or. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. You okay. just couldn't send in that if it was a WDAA approved show you couldn't send in the points because it wouldn't count for um for that judge got it to ride a higher level above level one got it yeah and then we all have to take a um every year we all have to renew our safe sport policy um credentials so that you know every every um equestrian sport has a safe sport program and i believe other sports do as well and we have to renew that annually. It's an online course, but, you know, we're held accountable for that. And um, dressage L graduates uh, have to get eight hours of continuing education annually. Um, they, they don't have to go to a seminar every three years, but they have to get eight hours of continuing ed, which can be gained from sitting with licensed judges or attending seminars or doing some online classwork. And so, you know, no matter what your uh, licensure is in, we're held accountable, not just to the public, but to the organization that's granting us the license. And in, in the USEF, what used to be USEF is now called US Equestrian. Um, yeah, they hold us to a high standard. And sometimes people ask me, well, why do we need to have our sport uh, sanctioned by US? EF, it just costs us more money type of thing. You know, there's that argument that goes back mm-hmm. and forth on that. And to me, it's it's important because they have the standards set so that you can be assured that when you go to ju- be judged by these people, they're held within those standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now another interesting thought, which we've started to touch on, but I'd like to go directly at it, are kind of some of the myths that that I remember, I remember when I first started showing just many, many years ago at open shows, I remember being one of the people that are like, 
I have no idea. They must just like this color horse, or I have no <laughs> idea. They must just like, or I don't know why the judge liked me this day. And this other judge didn't like me because really when I look back, mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. So then I couldn't see the logic in the mm-hmm. placings because, right. you know, if you don't know what the movement, what the ideal movement looks like, then you, you know, you're kind of at a disadvantage to be like evaluating how your judge did judging you. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So having said that, can we discuss some of the myths that are out there about judges? Like that judge really likes buckskins. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, <clears throat> we're human, right? We do have, we do have things we like. Okay. Mm-hmm. Personally, I do love buckskins. <laughs> Uh-huh. But I can't place I can't place that buckskin higher than that roan or that you know dark bay horse just because I have a a fancy for buckskins. You know I have to look at all of the things I have to look at. And you know what's really um, amazing about the opportunities that participants and writers have is we have online on on the Western Dressage website a learning management system that you can get into if you're a WDAA member and um, the videos you know, lots of videos that you can view. USDF has lots of videos that you can view. So you can train your your own eye, even if you don't have an instructor that you can work with, you can train your eye and start to get a mental image of what it is you want your horse to do. And then when you go ride your horse, you know, you've got, oh, you know, I watched in that video, my corner was really awful. I need to get my horse better balanced in this corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the kinds of things that we're looking for. So when I saw you at the judges seminar, I said to myself and probably to you, kudos for, for doing this, you know, for coming and, and learning what it is we're looking for, because that'll make you a better rider and a better participant when you're out there in the show ring. But yeah, we have our personal preferences, but we have to put those aside and we have to judge what we see, not what we like, you know, we have to judge what we see based on what we know is correct training following the basics of the training scale, whether it be the USDF pyramid or in the Western dressage world, we're, we're actually recreating the wheel right now. As we speak, we're recreating the wheel and we're turning the pyramid into a wheel um, and uh, refocusing our attention on all of the elements and not having it look like a hierarchy, like the pyramid sometimes Mm -hmm. makes things look like a hierarchy. So that's exciting. That's coming out in the next few weeks. Um, so yeah, we, we develop a methodology, which is based on the basics of training, which is everything that's in the training scale, plus the criteria of the movement, which is, you know, what is expected in a shoulder in or what is expected in um, uh, a leg yield or whatever, whatever the movement of the test is. And then your score plus or minus a point or a half a point, a modifier, like the horse went too fast, the tempo changed across the diagonal or, um, you know, the horse was uh, above the vertical or above the bit during the transition or whatnot. Those, those could be considered modifiers or we would take points off in the collective marks for submission or, but I, I think the scoring method that we create in dressage tests leaves pretty much no stone unturned. There's not much. If you really look at the directives of the test and you look at your scores and hopefully the judge's comments, it'll clarify for you where you can improve 
and where you excelled. And I think judges make a really good effort at covering both. We we try not to be hypercritical. We try to be um, complimentary when we see good things. We try to be constructive when we see things that need improvement. So that if you look at your test, and I always recommend you look at it like a little later, you know, mm-hmm. if you're not happy with your ride, look at it a little later. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. And then, and and then you'll learn from it, you know. So, um, right now we're we're developing new tests for uh, 2022. They're in the writing stage right now. It's a lot of work. We have a few individuals who are really responsible for the writing of the tests, and they put a lot of thought into it. They themselves are horse trainers. They know what helps to make a horse better. And we have the graduation of each level, you know, so that the horses can get better and better with the help of the uh, direction of the levels. So, yeah, it's a, it's a lot, you know, and a lot of this stuff is done by volunteers. Yeah. I mean, we're all, we're all doing this because we love horses and we, we love, we love everything about them. We love everything about the people who love them. So, yeah, it's kind of an amazing passion. It it is. And it's an amazing group of people. And I think, I think I'll wrap up this uh, part of the the talk with read your rule book. <laughs> yeah, read, read the rule books. Understand it from the judges, mm-hmm. the judges, you know, point of view. I mean, the, it has judging directives. There's a lot of information in the rule books, and mm-hmm. and that is why I wanted to go to the seminar. I think I've, the one thing I've learned over the years of being in the horse world is if you understand it, you're just going to be ahead, and mm-hmm. and so. That's what I'm I'm going to close with read your rule books and thanking you for this segment but I'm also excited that you've agreed to change hats and come back for the trainer segment. Does that yeah. sound like a good thing to do now? Yes, yes. We'll take great. a little break and then we'll come right back and we'll have you put your trainer's hat on and give us some tips over there. Sounds good. Bates Saddles are the saddle brand that truly put your horse first. Enjoy comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. Bates Saddles offer you many features you don't find with other saddle brands, including the external flexi-block system, which is anatomically contoured to your leg, allowing it to ride in behind the block and support your individual position for maximized comfort and security. An adjustable ergonomic stirrup bar, which allows effortless rider alignment to be achieved by altering the position of the stirrup bar, enabling you complete control over your preferred leg position. Many styles are available, including the new Bates Dressage Saddles, the Bates Victress Show Jumping Saddle, and the Bates Advanta Eventing Saddle. It is the official saddle of the United States Eventing Association. You can learn more about Bates Saddles at BatesSaddles.com. That's Bates saddles.com this week's dressage training tip is brought to you by total saddle fit home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com Well, we're back and Joanne has agreed to change hats and come in as the trainer. And so what I'd like to do, Joanne, is to ask you if you had one piece of advice or one thing that you were going to recommend to Western dressage riders, what would that be? 
Well, that's a really good question. Um, I think one of the things that I spend time thinking about when I'm working with my horses or, or my students' horses is I like to know how they think. I like to assess fairly early in my handling of the horse or relationship with the horse. How do you process things? And when I assess that is generally when I'm on the ground. So I do a lot of groundwork with horses. Um, when I take hold of that lead rope and, you know, and we're forming a partnership, I want to give them the opportunity to tell me, Joanne, this is, this is how I process things. Mm-hmm. And I want to honor that um, horse's way of processing things and not overstep their thought processes to make their thoughts, you know, more mine than theirs. Um, for example, when I'm uh, handling a horse, I, I, I might ask them to do something just a little bit challenging, like to walk over a, a plastic tarp. Not really many horses' favorite activity, but it gives me a chance to see how are you going to handle that. Now, I would not lead them over the tarp. I would stand at the corner of the square of the tarp and and allow the horse to focus on the tarp and maybe eventually put his feet near the tarp. And I don't badger him to get moving over the tarp because it's not about the tarp. It's more about how are you handling this? What are your thoughts on this? And where are your feet going to go? And let me help you direct your feet so that together with your feet connected to your brain, you can handle this challenge without me making it a terrible terrorizing activity. Um, Once they have a chance to think through it, then it becomes a non-issue. But if you handle it poorly, it becomes about the tarp. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny as you're saying that I was leading Presto, my big young, you know, thoroughbred draft cross up to the trailhead. And my neighbors were teasing me because they see me ride up there all the time. And they're like, you lead that horse an awful lot. (laughs) And I said, well, this is a really exciting road. I actually do ride him once we get up off the road and onto the trail, but Mm -hmm. I'm aware that the weird things, um, like there was yesterday, there was a paddle boat on the Uh little pond and he'd never seen the paddle boat. And it's exactly what you were just talking about with the tarp, because you can see it's, it's so spot on. Like what you were saying, like, I know his thought process, and his first reactions aren't always very good ones. Mm-hmm. And so we're working on that. But his, like, you could see him like, paddle boat, what in the world mm-hmm. is that thing floating on? But it was mm-hmm. going away from us. And as I stood there talking to the neighbor, they turned it around. And I mean, it's 200 <laughs> feet away from us, but it started coming yeah. towards us. So it was now 198 feet from us. And he was like, uh oh, <laughs> this is a problem. <laughs> like, right. well, clearly, you're not going to go send him over to touch the paddle boat because this is right. not an option. But you're right. The biggest thing I was trying to explain to the neighbor is I've been analyzing how he thinks. And because I know Mm -hmm. his thought process, I know what I'm willing to take risks on and what I'm not willing to take risks on, which is why I'm leading him up the road. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I figure you're only as safe as your ability to assess how they think. Mm -hmm. And And we also have to remember, and we've all heard this a million times, you know, we think like predators, not like prey animals. They think like prey animals. So we can't put our method of thinking onto them. We have to start studying how they think and how that particular horse thinks. 
Mm-hmm. For example, I was trail riding with a, a student and it was the first time she'd had her um, horse out on the trail and we were going to get a drink up in a little creek. On the one side of the creek was a big um, pipe with water running through it to the other side. And on the other side, on our left, was a sign that said caution, uh, soft bank on, you know, side of creek or something like that. And I said, she was ahead of me. And I said, now I want you to think about this as we approach this watering hole. What do you think your horse is going to be more worried about? The sign on your left or the running water through the pipe on your right? And she she thought, well, probably the pipe on your right, on the right. I said, yep, that's probably true. So which way do you think he's going to spook? And she said, well, probably to the left, but not very far because there's a sign over there. Mm -hmm. I said, right. So you don't want to run into the sign, but now you're thinking like he thinks. And she says, but I've been accused of overthinking things. (laughs) And I said, well, as a human, maybe, but now it's a good thing to know how the horse thinks so that you can plan accordingly and not be surprised, not be dumped or whatever. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I th- that that I, that's a that's an excellent observation. How do you see this playing into somebody showing up at a Western dressage show? Well, that's um, a really good point. When a horse goes into an arena, and I'm just going to use uh, another lesson incident for a minute before I talk about the show arena. Um, when the horse goes into the arena, and you have even a higher level horse, the horse is concentrating on you. You've you've developed a really good partnership. The horse is thinking about you. And um, one day I had one of my students doing collected work. The horse was doing a fabulous job, just right, you know, with the rider. They were really together. They'd gone around this arena several times, maybe 20, 30 times, made many circles. And then all of a sudden the horse spooked at a bucket that was just outside the rail of the arena, of the arena. And I said, I had her stop for a minute. And I said, now, why do you why do you suppose that horse spooked at that bucket? Because didn't you pass it 29 times before? And she said, yeah. I said, well, why would he spook at it then? She said, I think he lost his concentration on me. Exactly. So, you know, when, when we have them thinking with us, they're not always going to think with us every second. They're, they're prey animals. So they are obliged to sometimes think about their environment. But our job as riders is to do what we can do to keep them focused on us. And once you know how, you know, the attention span of your horse, you know how your horse thinks better, then you'll figure out ways to refocus them. Like I was a classroom teacher for years, like kids in the classroom. Okay, kids, focus on me now. And that's kind of what you have to do with the horse. Whatever method you use, whether it's a squeeze of your ring finger or uh, a bump with your leg or whatever it is, when you feel that you're losing that focus, you realign their thinking so that they don't spook at the geraniums outside the show ring or, or the kid that walks by with balloons right when you're passing B or E in the arena. You know, you, you can somehow say, oh yeah, balloons, that's probably not going to work for me. And so you, you work a little harder at getting your horse's focused attention at that moment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you know how your horse thinks, from having uh, developed that sense on the ground, it transfers to under saddle and it makes life much better. And it's like the most important thing. I, I believe that that keeps you safe and keeps you in sync with your horse. 
Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I totally agree. And, and I think it's interesting because there are so many times that people think more of the traditional, like thought process that leads to spooking and reacting. And yet I can remember showing my Bay mare Gabby at the world show in 2019. And she tends to be a horse that when she starts feeling a little bit overwhelmed, she actually kind of slows down and, Mm -hmm. And I, and I know this about her and unfortunately she had, she had done some, like we had dealt with like a a soundness issue earlier in the year. So she wasn't as seasoned as I had planned her to be by the time Mm -hmm. I went to the world show, but I took her and just adjusted my expectations when I was there. But I also wasn't surprised when I was in whichever test it is where there's a very long leg yield, um, like I forget, is that a level one test where there's a kind yeah, of a longer probably. leg yield? Yes. And mm-hmm. and it was really interesting because I was doing this long leg yield and I could I could tell because like you're saying, I was in I was aware of her experience and she was in the arena, that big arena, there's another ring showing next door, there's people in the stands mm-hmm. and her brain, she was she was trying to be on me, but she was also, you know, had that and she was just kind of like Ooh. and I was thinking Oh, this was going to be interesting because this is supposed to be a leg yield into a lope departure, and we're kind of losing altitude. <laughs> like, we're like she's kind of, but that's, but, but I know that her, I know that that is her, and and I know kind of how to step in and do it. But also, just knowing that that's her made it. It just makes it easier to be like. Right. I am not doing something quote unquote wrong. Like this is, Mm -hmm. this is an easy to anticipate problem, Mm -hmm. challenge, whatever you want to label it. And it doesn't mean that my, my, the, the use of my right leg is poor or whatever. It means she's kind of like, whoa, this is a (laughs) lot going on. And she happens to be where my other mare would tend to be more amped up in that, that same environment. So it Mm -hmm. is interesting to recognize that they process differently because the end result of what they do to express that is different. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I had one, one, uh, horse at the world show, you know, in the indoor arena at the world show, the warm up is down at the end. And then there's two arenas next to each other. And there was a young Arab, one of the last horses of the, of the day. And he had not only did he have to come down the center line toward this booth or or table with this person standing at the end, but he had to leave the herd, which was down at the other end. And he came down that center line and you could hear him thinking, oh, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not. uh -uh, No, I'm not coming down there. No, no. I'm leaving all my friends. I don't know what's down at the other end. And, you know, they're herd animals. So do you blame him? No, of course not. And that girl just did a fantastic job of just keeping him focused as best he could on staying in the arena. Uh-huh. I mean, was it a good test? No, the score wasn't stellar. But you know what? She did a fabulous job of of inspire him, inspiring him to think, okay, I can do this. You can almost hear him like the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> and 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 you know, they made it, right? And I know afterwards I heard uh, from someone else just happenstance that she was devastated about um, her ride. You know, I mean, it it wasn't stellar. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I was so impressed and I put it on the test. I was so impressed with her ability to just keep inspiring that horse to stay in the arena. That's, 
that was the only thing she could do were her circles round. Uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> no, you know, yep. really many things went not so great, but the basic part of it, you know, the horse stayed in and did she, you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure she was very disappointed, but she also could be very proud of the fact that she helped that horse get through that. I and, love uh, that. That's, that's, you know, that's a big, a big thing, you know, knowing how your horse thinks, knowing that you're the one that can help him align his thinking so that he can be confident and confident in your ability as the leader. You know, we all hear about that leadership thing and yeah, it's really important. I love that. Well, thank you again for joining me today. If anybody has any follow-up questions, is there somewhere that you're active online or that you would send them if they have a follow-up question after hearing all this? Um, They can find my contact information on the WDAA site and, um, you know, email me, text me, whatever. Yeah. Um, I'd be happy to answer questions or communicate with people. I don't have a website, but I do, you know, correspond with people. Okay. Very good. Well, I will definitely make sure that we put links to that in the show notes for this episode. And thank you again for joining us and sharing all of your knowledge in both areas. Thank you. Oh, well, you're most welcome. Always a pleasure. And I admire your podcast. I love listening to it. I have to tell you, I listen to it when I'm cleaning my barn. (laughs) (laughs) You keep me great company. (laughs) I I do my best thinking when I'm cleaning my barn. (laughs) I I, I also do too. (laughs) That's good to hear. Well, thanks again. Total Saddle Fit has the cinch that you've been looking for for your Western dressage saddle. The shoulder relief cinch actually changes the position and angle of the billets to prevent the saddle tree from interfering with the shoulder. The center of the cinch is set forward to sit in the horse's natural girth groove, while the sides of the cinch are cut back to meet the billets two inches behind where the horse's natural girth groove lies. This brings the latigos from angling forward to becoming perpendicular to the ground, which reduces the saddle's tendency to be pulled forward into the shoulders. With horses that have shoulder interference without angled billets, it simply moves the billets back to keep the saddle further away from the shoulders. The secondary benefit to this shape is the cutback at the elbows. This gives more room for elbow movement as well and prevents galls in the elbow area. You can find the shoulder relief cinch at totalsaddlefit.com. That's totalsaddlefit.com. Thanks again to Diney Swanson and Joanne Coy for joining me on today's show. If you're interested in hearing more from me, I have a podcast where I teach people how to understand, enjoy, and successfully train their own horses. You can find that on your podcast player by searching Train Your Own Horse with Stacey Westfall. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Thank you.